Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, this is Let Me Tell You. Now, here's Joan Hamburg. It's the year of the tiger. Happy New Year for the Asian American community. And I'm very excited to have as my guest today, award-winning journalist, Lisa Ling. And Lisa has a new travel and food series. It's a discussion, a documentary practically. It's in six sessions called Takeout with Lisa Ling. And with what has gone on in this community, the pandemic attacks on Asian Americans, particularly the elder people, I think you're going to be fascinated by Lisa's discoveries and how much there is to learn and the story of immigrants in America and what it takes to make it here. So join me, the Joan Hamburg podcast. Let me tell you straight ahead. Well, I just finished watching Lisa Ling's uh, series for HBO Max Takeout with Lisa Ling. And a real, you are going to love it, all of you out there. And Lisa explains that this show was actually sold before the COVID pandemic. And we all know the Asian community, everyone's had a hard time, but the Asian community has really been hard hit during this pandemic. So I thought what a perfect time for Lisa to come out with this series of six, taking us with her all across America, all different locations, and talking about the history of various Asian American communities and sampling the wonderful food all over and how different it is. And I don't know how Lisa even picked for six episodes the various communities because there are so many. But Lisa, tell me, how did this idea hit you when you were thinking of new projects you wanted to do? Well, first of all, Joan, it's so great to talk to you again. It's been so many years, and I just I love hearing your voice. Um, I, I, this this project, this show, Takeout, really, honestly, wasn't even a dream because I never even dreamt that it could be possible to produce a mainstream television show about the Asian American experience and about Asian American food. And the reason is because Asian American stories just haven't been told in popular culture. And, and, and it certainly hasn't been a part of American history education at all. I mean, growing up as an Asian American, I never learned a thing about the Asian American experience in this country and the contributions that Asian Americans have made. And so, you know, in some ways, when when you don't have access um, to your own history, 
Um, and everything that you see in pop culture is almost like a joke, right? You're a peripheral character. Yeah, you just, of course, caricatures. It, yeah, it's hard not to feel like you don't belong, that you exist somehow on the outside. And so in the wake of COVID, um, HBO Max greenlit this show. And I had pitched, um, along with the production company that I work with, probably about eight different ideas. And this is the one that I thought, there's no way they're going to greenlit it was green light this. Um, I, I, I can't imagine anyone wants to, to really know about Asian American stories. <clears throat> and this is the one they approved. And so this journey, Joan, has just been so incredible for me because I am learning so much about my own community, things that I never learned about in school through the lens of something that most Americans have come to love, and that's Asian food. You know, it's interesting. Asians have, have dealt with so much discrimination um, and, and heartbreak in this country, but yet somehow Asian food has been able to transcend discrimination, transcend um, you know, cultural differences, transcend um, gender. It, it, people just seem to really love it. And so I thought, or my team and I thought it was the perfect vehicle to, to, to acquaint ourselves better with Asian American stories. But I'm curious, when you were a child growing up and your grandparents had had a Chinese restaurant that was very important in the family history, but did your parents not share history or did they not cook Asian food at home? My Chinese friends and Korean friends, they said they had it almost force-fed to them and <laughs> resented it and like you pointed out, were ashamed. They wanted to assimilate to be part of the group. They didn't want to stand out. So my grandparents, my grandmother did cook Chinese food in our home, but she did not cook the food that they served in the restaurant because in the restaurant, American um, it, was, it was catered to an American palate. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't even have chopsticks <laughs> uh, in the restaurant for their, for their customers. Um, but she did cook Chinese food for me growing up. But because I carried so much shame around my identity and the food, I mean, Chinese food sticks to you. You know, the smell right. <laughs> penetrates your clothing. And so all I wanted to do was just, like, uh, assimilate and, and eat hamburgers and pizza. Um, you know, when I, I never wanted to have friends come over because my house always smelled like Chinese food. And my grandmother, even though she spoke perfect British English, Whenever I had friends around, she would speak to me in loud Japanese. And so, <laughs> you know, when you're when you're in middle school and high school, all you want to do is fit in. Conform. You just don't want mm -hmm. any reason to be different. And so that's why so many years later, decades later, it's 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 amazing to me and an honor to be able to tell these stories. I mean, my 10 year old self would never believe that I would one day, um, you know, be making this show for a mainstream audience. Right. And and then fully understand the sacrifices that so many in the Asian community made to be part of America and part of the American dream. I love seeing your little girls feasting <laughs> on the Chinese food and so excited and so proud to be part of that community. And you know what's funny, Joan, is that they request noodles and dumplings to take to school it. for lunch with little seaweed packets 
and little mm. Chinese biscuits. If they could, they would take kimchi with them, but I won't let them because it <laughs> smells too pungent and strong. No, can't, kimchi God. is very strong for the cafeteria. <laughs> it is. But I, I wouldn't have been caught dead bringing any of those foods to school because I know that I would have been made fun of and people would have thought that I was weird. Right. And so we have come such a long way, and I'm so excited that my kids are growing up in a, in a world that's more tolerant, at least when it comes to kids. Um, right. You know, as far as the Asian hate that has been, you know, perpetrated over the last few years, those are really difficult conversations for me to have with my kids, um, you know, because they just don't they don't understand. Why would anyone want to attack people just because they have Asian Duration. faces? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think when you don't have a frame of reference um, of a, a community's inclusion, you know, when your stories are not told in the history books, then it becomes easy to overlook and even dehumanize an entire community. Right, but you point out that even you, in a very well-educated Asian family, didn't really know the history. It wasn't part of the family conversation, and it certainly wasn't part of school. But how did you land for six episodes on these different communities? Like, now you made me want to go back to the East Village to eat Bangladeshi food. You know, we all, let's go have Indian food. But, you know, who knew that there are different worlds within the world? Uh, where did yeah, these communities and, 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 come from? Well, it's interesting you mentioned the, the Bangladeshi community um, because it's one of the fastest Asian groups in New York City. And... Bangladeshis have always been in New York, but when they when they emigrated here, when they came to this country, because there was already a um, an appetite for Indian food, so many of them opened Indian restaurants rather than Bangladeshi food. And I think that's very common. You know, recent immigrants from Asia, they 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 just so want to assimilate that they will um, seek out whatever is already settled. Right. And so many, um, for example, there are all these South Asians who have recently immigrated and they open Thai restaurants or they might open Chinese restaurants rather than restaurants from their own home countries. And when and this food, by the way, is it looked absolutely delicious. You made me literally want to go there. Oh, Joan, I mean, I've traveled the world and I had never had Bangladeshi food until I started working on this show. And there are some amazing Bangladeshi restaurants uh, in New York. The one that I, I, I ate at uh, Karai Kitchen in, um, in Jackson Heights is incredible. And they, and they um, import the fish directly from Bangladesh. And Bangladesh is, is, is known as the country of rivers. That fish that I had with that very pungent shrimp or uh, fish paste. Yeah, you liked it, actually. <laughs> I loved it. They were shocked. It's called uh, shukti. I, <laughs> I loved it. But I'm a pretty, uh, pretty adventurous eater. But anyway, I didn't know that the first Asians to be in America were the Filipino community. And we're, we're all going to be educated, not only on the Filipinos, but Vietnamese and Korean, and how they jump ship, basically, many of them, to make their way to this country. 
That's right. The first Asians to settle in America came before the United States was even the United States, and they were Filipino ship jumpers. They were working on Spanish galleon ships, and they were either sailors or indentured servants, and hundreds of them jumped ships and didn't settle on the East Coast or the West Coast. They settled in the bayous of Louisiana, and they really built lives for themselves. Yeah. Um, and because it was a big group of men, um, they ended up intermarrying and um, having kids. And so when you go to towns now like Jean Lafitte, Louisiana, the mayor there will tell you that he believes 70 to 80 percent of the population of his town has Filipino blood running through it. Like that's how um, uh, prolific <laughs> those Filipino sailors were. But Lisa, I'm talking to Lisa Ling, who's got her new six-part series called Takeout with Lisa Ling, which is on HBO Max. How did the Korean community get to Virginia? Well, um, they, you know, I think in after the, the Immigration and Nationalization Act of 1965, that's when the biggest wave of Koreans came to the United States, and there was already a community in the Washington, D.C. area. And so many of those people in Washington sponsored people from Korea to come to the United States, and they ended up settling in that region. And it's interesting because that that legislation, um, uh, it, it really sort of required you to have some skills or or be educated in order to be able to immigrate to the United States. And so um, that that Korean diaspora is a very different one than, for example, the, the, the early Chinese who came here, you know, and, and, and worked almost as indentured servants on the railroad and, and, and in so many, in, you know, so many different areas doing labor work. Mm. And when you finish this, did your family see it? Did oh, yeah, <laughs> and what did they think? You know, my family is they they loved it, and they also are like, wow, it's it's amazing that you've gotten an opportunity to tell these stories. And one of the things that ex- excites me the most is, I think for so long the Asian American community it was very segregated. You know, Chinese people would you know, become part of Chinese organizations or affiliate more with Chinese people. Koreans would do the same. And, you know, Cambodians would hang out with Cambodians. And and the last couple of years, I think it's become glaringly apparent that, um, you know, those who perpetrate attacks on Asians don't discriminate between those who are Filipino and those who are Chinese. Right. And that the Asian American community is in and of itself its own distinctive community. My husband is Korean-American, I'm Chinese-American, but he and I have more in common with each other as Americans than he has with people from Korea and I have with people from China. You know, we are, we are kind of this, this, this unique, distinctive category. And, and I think that um, a lot of Asian-Americans are really starting to recognize that and take pride. And so I felt a kind of ownership in all of the stories in this series. I mean, these were these were stories of my community. And, and at the end of the day, Joan, these are American stories because the immigrant story is the American story. Right. And did your husband, who is Korean, did he grow up like you as he wanted to be 
an American, number one. Was he from a traditional family? Oh, he, he and I, he's a little bit older than me, but, but, but we are of the same generation. And he kind of jokes because he missed the like big Korean pop culture wave that is taking the world by storm right now. I mean, Korean yeah, pop culture is. Is, <laughs> is, you know, the most popular on earth and the biggest band in the world is BTS, um, yeah. a Korean band. But yeah, when he was growing up in um, Short Hills, New Jersey, and then you know when he ended up moving to the the sort of D.C. metro area, it, it, he still dealt with a lot of uh, prejudice and discrimination, and he got into fights all the time growing up um, when people would tease him and bully him about his ethnicity. I mean, fortunately, he's a giant man; he's six foot four, so. He wow. was he was usually victorious <laughs> in the fights, <laughs> um, but nevertheless, it was it was a pretty regular thing. Where did you meet him? Did you meet him in Washington? We did meet in Washington. He was practicing medicine there, and I was working for National Geographic. And your paths just crossed. Well, a mutual friend of ours, a he mutual friend of ours, connected you? us. Yeah, and he's a very good cook. <laughs> Well, I and noticed he really you had his... it. In fact, he's 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 annoyed that I got a cooking show. <laughs> he did. Well, that, he yeah, I, but it's it really it's a food show. I mean, it's, it's an everything show. show. It, it's it's about history. It's about people. It's about hearing their lives and their stories. And I loved the episode when you went back to where the family's roots were. And had you done that before? No, Joan, this was the first time. And, and that's why this experience has been so, so special for me. I mean, and I think that, you know, all of the, the, the attacks on Asians over the last couple of years have really forced our community to kind of look back into the roots. You know, a lot of people have been surprised that these attacks have become so rampant. But when you really stop and dig into the history. You know, Asian Americans have been on the receiving end of attacks and discrimination for over a century. And so working on this series really compelled me to look into a lot of these stories. And as someone who carried so much shame growing up in, 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 in Carmichael, California, outside of Sacramento, you know, when I took the time to understand the sacrifices of so many of those Chinese immigrants who, who toiled in you know, on the railroad, in restaurants, um, in in the fields, building the levees, and then how they were chased out of their communities, how their towns were burnt to the ground, how they were lynched. You know, it just made me feel so so ashamed that I felt shame about being Chinese American. You know, and it made me so appreciate the the sacrifices that those early Chinese immigrants made so that I could, you know, do this show one day so that I could, you know, be, be able to, to, to do and work in the, in the fields that I work in, you know, like, I don't know that I would be able to, to be doing these things if it weren't for those early sacrifices of those who came before me. Right. I'm talking to Lisa Ling, whose new HBO max show is called takeout and it's, not only about food, but it's through food and the commonality that we really explore the history of many of these groups, from Vietnamese to Korean to Japanese. You hear 
these heartbreaking Japanese stories about being sent to the camps. I mean, you've really done a good job, Lisa, and thank you for it. And Happy New Year. Does your family celebrate the Chinese New Year? Oh, yeah, yeah. We had a big hot pot dinner, and my little mm. girls were given the red packets with some uh, some cash, and they bowed to their <laughs> the elders. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, we made our, 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 our wishes. Um, so yeah, we had a really nice Lunar New Year and Joan, I, I so appreciate, um, you taking the time to watch this series and I always love talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Lisa. All the best to you. And I hope it is a happy new year for one and all. We'll talk again. Good luck. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm Joan Hamburg. Don't forget. Go to HBO Max. There it is. I thank you so much for listening a little bit to let me tell you. We'll do it again. I'm Joan Hamlin.